Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. As always, how are you doing, Katie? I'm here. Yes. I'm present. Yes. We have this same conversation quite often. <laughs> One day at a time. Yep. And that's okay. That it's is like, okay. we can't catch a break. No. Just with, it's like every time I... Look at the news. It's just right. That's true. (laughs) And then you factor in work and illness and just summertime. The stress of (sighs) carrying on. Yes. Yes. That's so true. And maybe we should um, seek therapy because we both are like one day at a time. I know. <laughs> just kidding. I'm currently uninsured, so if anyone wants to Venmo me for therapy, my Venmo uh, is. No, just no, kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Please um, don't. You should, though. Don't be afraid to reach out to me, and I'll give you her Venmo. Anyway, <laughs> um, I wanted to share with you guys this podcast I've been listening to Ooh. because I tend to go on this streak of listening to mur- My Favorite Murder over and over and over and over old episodes and just constantly but i finally decided they actually i think it was one of them who recommended this podcast and i i think it was and i decided okay i'll try it and i i'm obsessed it's called the root of evil and it's about everyone knows this case the black dahlia murder Ooh. right so it's so good. If you guys haven't listened to it, check it out. It's a very, it's a short, like, eight-episode series. And basically, it's hosted by these two women. And they tell the story because their great-grandfather, George Hodel, is the main suspect in this murder. So, it's really good. They have, um, they talk about George. He was a doctor. He was very smart. He did um, illegal abortions. And he was also, like, incredibly fucked up. He was um, constantly having orgies with including his children. He got his daughter pregnant at 14. Oh, my God. He's supposed to have killed his secretary. Um, And then, of course, he is the main suspect in this murder. Um, And if you know the Black Dahlia murder, it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. One of the most brutal murders there's ever been. Um, George's son, Steve Hodel, was a police officer, actually a homicide detective in L.A. where the Black Dahlia was killed. And he worked there for 30 years, whatever. And it wasn't until his dad died in 99 that um, his stepsister, his half-sister, revealed to him that his dad was one of the main suspects. He started going down a rabbit hole. He found all this evidence and it's pretty clear that his dad is the black dahlia murderer of course there's no 
conviction. There's no definitive like decision, but it's pretty fucking obvious. And so these women, they're awesome. Their um, mom was, uh, I don't know, she was obsessed with recording everything. So she recorded everything in her life, like on a tape recorder, her meeting her. um, She was adopted out. So she met her real mom, who was the daughter of George Hodel. So she talks about all this stuff, their life. She has interviews with her, you know, many now dead for many years relatives. And it's just like some great information. And it's just... It's insanely captivating and so well done. I really recommend it. Wow. The Root of Evil is what it's called. It came out within the last two, three years. Um, it's really, really good. And I mean, I think, have you seen the picture of the Black Dahlia? Oh, yes. I think everyone has. Honestly. It is embedded in my mind. Of course, of course. So they talk about that and the police report of how her body was found and what was it done to her prior to her being murdered. And it's just very matter of fact. And it gives details that you don't know just from looking at the picture. Wow. Um, You know, and everybody knows if you know, Elizabeth short, you know, the black Dahlia, you know, that she was cut in half and she had her mouth cut from ear to ear to look in a creepy smile. It's just, it's truly one of the most brutal things. And she was only 22, 23. She was very young, yeah. yeah. So it was a very long time ago. And there's still no justice for her. But this podcast, they do a great job of highlighting everything to do with this case. It's nuts. That sounds so incredible. Oh, it's so good. And I'll it's, have to check it out for sure. I think you'd really like it. And I think you listeners would like it if you haven't listened already. For it to take me out of the constant cycle of me listening to old My Favorite Murder. Mm-hmm. for I've literally been doing that for like over a year. <laughs> so the fact that I've broken that cycle feels good. It does. It really does. But it's fascinating. It really is. And it's also scary. Like listening to this man talk about his life and his dad being an awful person and his you know, raping his half-sister and getting her pregnant. And, you know, he was molested as well by his sister. And, like, it's just a totally messed up situation. Yeah. And it also deals with some racial stuff because um, the two women, their mom was adopted and she was raised believing she was African-American. On her birth certificate, all she had was her name and that her father was African-American, which was not true. She was... 100% 100% Caucasian. No way. Mm-hmm. And she, when she found that out, she was devastated because she was raised thinking that she was African-American. Her whole family was African-American. She was adopted by um, an African-American family. And um, she was raised, all of her friends were African-American. She lived in a, the ghetto, quote, is what they even refer to it as. So when she found out she was um, white, she... <sighs> And the thing is, too, she looked, she had strawberry blonde hair, blue eyes, like she was white. Yeah, I was going to say. like, mm-hmm. <laughs> But she was, that's what she was led to believe. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So her mother gave her up when she was like 15. So oh. it's unclear if her mother was, if, I don't know if they ever said who her biological father was, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was um, her grandfather. Right, that's what I was just about to say was, yeah, 
Yeah, it's oh crazy. Definitely check it out, guys. Um, I listen to it on Apple Podcasts. I'm sure you could find it on Stitcher and mm-hmm. Spotify and all that. It's really good. It's really good. So, man. Oh, the Black Dahlia, man. That's a fucked up case. It's crazy. And it's referenced in so many, you know, movies, TV shows, pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a whole thing about it on a season of American Horror Story. Yep. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's still not solved. Mm-hmm. It's been, ugh, I don't know, 75 years? Oh, Jesus. But anyway, enough of my recommending of a very sad, awful thing. <laughs> uh, we'll get into another sad, awful thing. Yes. With this case. Yep. Um, it's one I found just doing general research you know, looking up cases that we could cover, and I found it. His name interests me, so mm-hmm. I was like, what's going on? And basically, we landed on it, and um, it has a lot of kind of background and suspicion as to what happened. And you guys know we love a good unsolved. Yes, and this is one of Vermont's pretty well-known disappearances. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, pretty well known in Vermont and New England, so yes. I'm glad we're covering this one. Yeah, yeah. There's not a whole bunch, as you guys know, we struggle a little bit with, like, Vermont, Maine, and Rhode Island. I don't know why. Maybe that's a good thing because they're safer. I don't know. But it's hard to find cases. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the more prominent ones, like you said. Um, not just because his name is Marble. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really stuck on that part. Um But yeah, we hope you guys stick around. It's not too graphic in nature at all, um, but it is important. And again, it's still unsolved. So we'll be giving you contact information at the end of the episode. And if you were in Vermont at that time, you know, you can reach out and help in any way you can. Mm -hmm. And without further ado, today we will be covering The The Disappearance of Marble Arvidsson. Alrighty, let us get started, jump right in, and Katie, what are your sources? I have the Bennington Banner, mychamplainvalley.com, the Charlie Project, AP News, and masslive.com. I think I had two or so articles from them. Okay. I had News 10, the Bennington Banner, NBC News, Reddit, and Huffington Post. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about Marble Arvidsson. Marble Ace Arvidsson was born on June 14, 1994, in California to mother Sigrid Arvidsson. Yes, his name is actually Marble. Like, on his birth certificate, (laughs) it's Marble. Now, again, you guys know that I love bad baby names. I hate to say it, but this is one of them. At no fault of Marble. Um, When asked why she named her child Marble, she said that she thought the name would be whimsical and attention-getting, And, quote, it's got that ring to it. It's a strong name and stuff. I loved marbles, end quote. So she used her love and passion of marbles. She could have, you know what? Marbles, people play with marbles with jacks, you know, like, right? You could call him Jack. Just saying. Doesn't matter. (laughs) It's not his fault. But his name was Marble Arvidsson. He went by Marb, mostly. Yes. Um, That was, like, his name. So, like I said, born in California, 
When Marble was one, he moved with his mom to Massachusetts, where Sigrid had family. Um, Sigrid was escaping an abusive relationship in California. It's unsure if it was Marble's dad, um, but she was also dealing with alcoholism. And due to her struggles with addiction and, you know, alcoholism, Marble was raised by his great-grandparents until he was like five or six. And then Sigrid got um, sober and she kind of turned her life around. And so eventually he moved in with her full time. And then in 2001, Marble and Sigrid moved to Halifax, Vermont. Marble didn't have a father figure. It's unclear if he ever met his biological father, if whatever. So he kind of had begun to go to this like program with male mentors, like men or teenagers that were a little older than him and responsible, kind of like a big brother, little sister type deal. Yes. So that seemed to be okay for him, but quickly it was revealed that he kind of had some demons inside of him that maybe was not controlled by having a mentor essentially. Yeah. Him living with his mom actually lasted until he was about 14. There was this incident where there was essentially a power struggle between Marble and his mom. Mm. Um, She'd asked him to clean his room and a couple other different things like abiding by rules, curfew, Mm -hmm. and this set Marble off. Um, He got really violent. He destroyed the outside of the house. He destroyed the porch. He even smashed parts of the foundation, which caused about $3,000 in damages. Dang. Marble had some kind of a developmental disability, and he did have anger issues, and he really struggled with temper. Mm -hmm. So at this point, now that he's a brooding teenager, Mm -hmm. this really started to come out, and his mom felt like she couldn't handle his behavior. Right. And he went into foster care. Right. He was, I mean, he did take an axe and swing it and damage his house Mm -hmm. that's pretty violent and pretty scary yeah over something as simple as hey keep your room clean yeah yeah that's not asking a lot no to be honest no and this sounds a lot like the kids i'm used to working with at my psych hospital Mm -hmm. um we get a lot of kids with any kind of developmental disability usually adhd um or anger issues and we get these kids that you know, punch holes in the drywall, destroy the house, break TV, break furniture, threaten mom, hurt their parents, and then they end up hanging out with us for a bit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so destructive behaviors and anger issues, um, I feel like that would be really difficult to manage as a single parent, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So he went into foster care. This landed him at a home in West Brattleboro, Vermont, which was a small town, like 7.5 thousand residents or so. And it was actually known for being like a big hippie town Mm -hmm. and left-wing politics and like peace and love, man. That's interesting. So at the time of this incident we're going to talk about, Marble was 17, living with a mentor, his personal mentor, and then another teenager who had his own personal mentor. So it was like a roommate situation mm-hmm. kind of deal. Um, and according to his aunt, Patricia Kittredge, Marble struggled with his emotions and, quote, struggled with frustration and anger. Um, and she said, quote, sometimes he needed outside help beyond what a family member or mentor could give him. So, and you know, that happens sometimes and with mental illness or anger problems or developmental disabilities, professionals 
can help the most as well as you know of course a family who whoever lives with him family members mm-hmm. keeping up with a routine and you know understanding his triggers and you know when he's about to become violent all that kind of thing but sometimes you really need that outside help for sure despite all this Marble was preparing for his senior year of high school and was even considering going to college. And at the time of this incident, he had um, just recently gotten a new girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So from what it sounds like, he was in an okay place. Yes. He was also able to visit his mom a couple times a week. They were still very close despite everything. Good. Um, Just because she wasn't able to handle his outbursts, essentially, doesn't mean that you know, she terminated her rights or anything. They were still very, very close. Yeah. It was just that he needed a different kind of living situation that would best benefit him. Right. So let's talk about the day in question. At the very end of August 2011, there was a nasty hurricane going up the East Coast. It was called Hurricane Irene. You guys might remember it because it was devastating to, like, most notably, like, New Jersey. The um, boardwalk was completely separated from you know, where it was supposed to be. Their roller coaster was in the ocean, and that was a big deal because Jersey Shore was a popular thing back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And it even, like, really hard hit Massachusetts. Now, usually hurricanes, by the time they get to New England, are, like, tropical storms. Um, So usually we just get heavy rain and thunderstorms and maybe some damage. For Hurricane Irene, it was, it stayed and still was very detrimental and damaging, even when it got to New England. So I remember Hurricane Irene very well because you might not remember this, Katie, but it came right before we were supposed to go into middle school, the sixth grade. And that was a big deal, guys, because we went from our respective elementary schools to a big combined middle school. And that was crazy. And we were all like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. We're going to have lockers (laughs) and it's going to be... But then Hurricane Irene came and it ended up delaying our first day of school a few days. So we were freaking out and nervous for school. And then this hurricane came, caused so much damage and flooding. And then we had to be nervous for a few more days. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in my living room with my dog and it being like my parents were at work and I was by myself. And I remember looking out the big window and it was just the whole atmosphere was gray, you know, and the wind and the trees Oh, they were whipping around. It was nuts. It was crazy. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. So if that happened to New Hampshire, where we lived, of course, we lived on the coast. Um, We lived on the seacoast. So to have it be that intense wasn't completely, you know, mysterious. But it traveled to Vermont and remained violent as well. So on this day in question... August 27th, 2011, the heavy rains began in Vermont in the afternoon and ended up totaling over 11 inches in 24 hours. 11 inches. That's more than they got in like a whole year. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. And scary. And it's really bad, this kind of storm in the summer, because the summers are generally dry. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't get a We get a reasonable amount of rain, but not a ton. Yeah. So normally when it dumps rain, the ground can't absorb it. And so flooding. Oh, my God. Just a shit ton of flooding. And Vermont was 
totaled. Like, yeah, it was so much damage. Um, the estimate, it seems, was 2,400 roads, over 800 homes and businesses, and dozens of bridges were damaged or destroyed in the storm, and six people also died. Six people? Mm-hmm. That's a ton. For up here, that doesn't happen very often. No, that's crazy. And imagine, it has to be so scary. You're just driving, trying to get home. Oh, and you're trying to drive over a bridge, and the bridge gets swept away in front. Oh. It's just or flooded, and right. You know, people. It's a huge thing driving where people are looking at the road in front of them, and they mm-hmm. see water on the road, and they think they can make it, and it looks like not a lot, but it ends up being a ton, and they yeah. drown. It's it's awful. It's so so scary. It really is. And we don't really get a whole lot of storms like that, so it really just ravaged yeah. Vermont. It took up a lot of their resources to get everything cleaned up and get power restored, and it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Power was out across the board, mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, some places obviously got it quicker than others, but some places it was days and days. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that makes part of this situation a little more difficult. Yeah. So the fact that six people died in this shows how serious it was, mm-hmm. and all the damage was... That also shows, like, this was a really serious event. So on this day in August, the 27th, before the rains even started, Marble left his home, and that was the last time he was ever seen. Because of the storm, because of everything happening, it kind of makes a gray area in terms Mm -hmm. of his disappearance and um, what really happened. So... Really, what we know is just what we're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. Marble was last seen at approximately 2 p.m. by one of his roommates. The roommate told police that he and his other housemates heard Marble answer the door and invite an unknown man inside at 1.15 p.m. At 2 p.m., this roommate saw Marble leaving out the back door with this unknown man. He did say that the man was wearing a black hat and he looked like he was in his 20s. So already, just the age difference with this man looking maybe mid to older 20s and Marble being 17. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not really a fan. Right. And then the roommate said that they were going to an unknown destination and they were going up Route 9. Right. Which, why would you do that in a storm? Right. Maybe it hadn't started to rain yet. Right. So before Marble left... He left a note on his door, and the note was short, uh, but interesting in regards to the wording. Mm -hmm. It was very bizarre. Basically, he left a note on his door that said he was, quote, going to frolic with some friendly gremlins, end quote. Um, you know, to you and I, maybe that's a little bizarre. (laughs) Apparently to Marvel, that was his normal, you know, like that was his way of saying, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Right, it was like a, a code word. Yeah. And essentially meant he was going to go party with his friends, like smoke weed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he left that note, but it also said that he would be back in half an hour. So they were confused because, all right, you know, he's doing his marble thing, going with his friendly gremlin horde, and then this man who his roommates don't know shows up, but it appears that marble knows him. Yeah. So they're like, okay, whatever, and then he leaves. Of course, half an hour goes by. He's not back. Not that alarming. Um, and then more time goes by. The rain starts. The wind starts. It gets 
dark and Mm -hmm. stormy and he's still not home he also does not have a cell phone and besides the power is about to be out for a while so the fact that he didn't call wasn't too concerning right away because nobody could call it sounds like they assumed that he maybe stayed over a friend's house because that also was not out of the ordinary for him and he did go with one of his friends so it was like okay and it started to storm. Maybe he and his friend just decided to hunker down at his place or whatever for the night. It wasn't until the next morning when they started to be like, oh shit. Because Marple still did not come back. Right. And he also had other plans that day. He was supposed to see his girlfriend later at about 4 o'clock p.m. Right. And he wasn't back for that. Yeah. She actually showed up at the house and was like, hey where's Marble at? And mm-hmm. they're like, he stepped out. He, you know, he said he'd be back in a half hour. He's not back. Yeah. But, you know, the storm had started, so. Right. That's a good cover-up. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's also really frustrating that, you know, he did leave these notes in place of not having a cell phone, so he was able to communicate his whereabouts to an extent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once the power cut out, a cell phone would have been cool to at least see his location. Right. But, Absolutely. you know, that was that was not an option. So. But even so, if he did have a cell phone, would that location pinging, whatever, be available because of the right. storm? So it's a lot of, like, unfortunate circumstances kind yes. of piling on top of each other. Um, so, of course, all of his friends are worried. His family's worried. Tons of phone calls went out on Sunday morning. Um, when they could, because the power, of course, and um, asking basically, like, is Marble over at your house? No, he didn't come over. Okay. And then they call another friend. No, he's not here. Then it started to be like, okay, so he did not stay at a friend's house. Where is Marble? And they were understandably extremely stressed. Mm -hmm. So it was on Sunday that the foster parent finally reported him missing. And... um, of course, his disappearance was completely overshadowed by the storm. It caused so much damage that it was all that the town could talk about. It was mm-hmm. all the news covered. Six people had died, like you said. And also, it cost Vermont roughly three-fourths of a billion dollars to repair. Holy fuck. And their state budget was like like two billion. Like, it was so close to... Oh. Yeah. So they were dealing with that, Mm -hmm. dealing with the damages, all the bridges swept away, the homes that were destroyed. They had so much to deal with that marble was like an afterthought to them because they probably assumed he was just a victim of the storm. For sure. And I'm willing to bet that he might not have been the only person reported missing. So they probably thought he was missing because of the storm. Right. But the real issue here is that he was missing well before the rain even started. Right. So... We all know with missing persons cases, time is of the essence. Absolutely. And so this delay, that really was nobody's fault. You know, we talk about missing persons cases where, you know, parents weren't alerted that their child was missing until a couple days later, and now they lose those days to report someone missing. Right. You know, his foster family, by the time they put it together, oh my God, no one knows where Marble is. Mm. They weren't able to make phone calls to connect with somebody to report him missing because of power lines being down, flooding damages. So it's right. it's nobody's fault. No. 
it's just so frustrating because this is not the only crisis happening at this time. Right. You know, they're doing search and rescues. They're pulling people out of bodies of water. Mm -hmm. Houses are destroyed. Businesses are destroyed. Right. And he probably is not the only one missing. Yeah. And it's just such shit timing. Yeah. It is. Because he was not a casualty of the storm. Right. And it's like any potential evidence or any kind of trace of where he could have gone was probably washed away by the storm. Absolutely. Absolutely so was. frustrating. And the worst part, too, is that, you know, where Marble was living at the time was the ground stayed dry, but all the roads leading up to the house was flooded. So maybe for a while he was trying to get back, but he couldn't because it was flooded completely. Mm-hmm. So all these circumstances are piling up and it's just leading to a to a sadder, more devastating result. Right. And it does not help that Marble is considered an endangered missing individual because he does have the developmental disability. Right. That makes it so much more scary Mm -hmm. because you don't know if he can fend for himself. Right. He's already having trouble, you know, growing up and being just a normal kid. So it's hard and it's scary to think that he went out before the storm started and just did not come home. Right. And who the fuck was this guy that he left with? Right. How come none of his other housemates had ever seen him before or knew who he was? Right. And also, how come this guy has never come forward? Exactly. When he is very much likely the last person to have seen Marble in any way, shape, or form. A hundred percent. So, hello, grown-ass adult who they said looked like he was in his mid to late 20s. Yeah. Do you want to come forward and tell someone any kind of information seriously yeah my other thought maybe is that maybe they he was a casualty of the storm and maybe that person he was with was too mm-hmm. that's why he hasn't come forward that's just speculating though i'm just trying to think of things but um they knew for a fact though that whatever it was it wasn't good because when marble left he didn't bring anything with him also since his disappearance his bank accounts remain untouched and um what I think is sucks, and you did touch upon this, they brought cadaver dogs in, they did ground searches, but what is, what is a cadaver dog going to smell? Nothing. It was washed away with the rain. Any evidence is gone. Truly. Including what could potentially be a body. Right. And it wasn't like it sprinkled rain. No. I mean, you said 11 inches. Mm-hmm. That is torrential downpour. Absolutely. They Flooding. had hail. Yep. Just... So awful. Yeah. Um, Authorities, you know, they always love to jump to the conclusion at first, maybe they were a runaway. Well, he has a history of violent behavior and mental disorder, so he probably ran away. Right. And one of the other things was, um, you know, he had a temper, Mm -hmm. he's a troubled teen, and he wears black clothing most of the time. Jesus, Katie. (laughs) Are the police looking at you as well? Me and my goth ass. I did not run away. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) If I go missing, I did did not not run run away. away. It's ridiculous. Like, just because he's wearing black clothing, are you kidding me? He's an angsty teenager. Like, we know this. We've (laughs) all been there. Right. And his family and friends are also saying, you know, he was very happy for the most part. Sure, he had a temper. He just short fuse. Right. But he wasn't an angry person all the time. Yeah. He was very happy. He was content. He had goals. He, he had, had relationships. Right. He was in a healthy relationship with his girlfriend. Right. He was looking at going to college. 
And everybody who knew him said he has no reason to run away, number one. Number two, it would be very uncharacteristic of him. And number three, if he did run away, how come he didn't bring anything with him? Mm -hmm. There's no way he ran away. He didn't bring anything. And he left a note saying, hey, be back back in a half hour. Right. Right. And number four, if he did run away, why aren't the police looking for him? Because he is a mentally... You know, he has a mental disability, Mm -hmm. and he also has a temper, and he's 17. Why aren't you looking for him? Right. He's not fit to be a runaway, you know? Angsty trouble. He must have ran away. He only had, his whole wardrobe was black. (laughs) Oh, my God, I bet he wore eyeliner. Who's the gremlin horde? Is he in a gang? Yeah, right. They thought he was in a satanic cult. Of course! Because Gremlin Hort, come on, he's just being a goofy teenager. Right, that's some, honestly, to me, that sounds like some nerdy... D&D shit. I was just about to say, some, maybe some Dungeons and Dragons, I don't know. Maybe like Magic the Card Game, I have no idea. But like something that was, that, great. Right. Literally. Magic <laughs> the Gathering is what thank you're thinking you. of. Thank you, yes, thank yes. you. Yep, I don't know. I, I have know. no freaking clue. And honestly, there's so many theories as to what happened. We can start with the most obvious one, that he was a victim of the storm. Mm-hmm. While they said that six people died that day, you know, in Vermont, maybe his body was swept so far that he wasn't counted as a victim because they couldn't find his body. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Absolutely. Is it likely? Yeah, I would say so. Did we get an answer from that? No. <laughs> his body wasn't found, right. regardless. Um his aunt, I mentioned her earlier, Patricia Kittredge, she speculated that maybe he slipped and fell in the rain, smashed his head, got unconscious, and maybe he was swept away. Is that possible? Sure. That one's a little reaching. Yeah. But it it could be. Absolutely. He could have been injured and not been able to help himself. Mm-hmm. It was torrential downpour. For sure. I feel like we also, and this is always the most unfortunate kind of speculation when we don't have any answers, I feel like we cannot completely discount foul play. No, of course not. Especially with this unknown grown-ass man character who we have no idea what is going on with him. Yeah. Um, Marble did smoke some weed occasionally. Maybe this guy was a dealer. Right. Maybe. Maybe. We don't know who this guy is, but, you know, it's very strange that he has not come forward. Right. And they were seen out walking together before the rain even started. So, you know, maybe this guy heard how bad the storm was going to be and took advantage and did something with marble. Right. And the storm kind of took care of the rest. Right. We don't know. To be on the opposite edge, maybe he looked like he was in his mid-20s and he was really a teenager. Yeah, true. Or maybe he was older than Mm mid-20s. Regardless, the possibility of this mystery man having something to do with Marble's disappearance is very fair. I don't know the statistics or the possibilities, but the fact that he has not come forward Mm -hmm. indicates to me that he has some guilt. For sure. Whether it be the fact that he saw Marble for the last time or that he, exactly what you said, killed him and let nature Mm -hmm. sweep him away. Who knows? Right. Or maybe they were doing something stupid like smoking weed together out in the woods before the storm even hit and he didn't want to admit that he was one last seen with marble because they would assume he's a suspect even if he wasn't right or maybe they were out doing other illegal activities question mark perhaps maybe that he didn't want to be involved in right absolutely we have no goddamn clue we really don't and even back then i mean vermont now is very much pro marijuana Mm -hmm. but 
in 2011, I can't say for sure if they were. I bet you they probably weren't because that's more of a recent thing. But also, like, still he was 17. So, mm-hmm. like, he wouldn't want to be caught by the police, you know. And then if this man was in his mid-20s, he probably wouldn't want to be caught with a minor smoking weed. Correct. So that leads you to speculate they probably, if maybe they did go and hang out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Maybe, so, you know, the winds and the rains got so bad that X happened. There's no way of knowing. Yeah. The fact that his bank account remains untouched and he's never been heard from again makes me think that he is dead. I hate to say it. 100%. It's the most logical thing, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And, you know, it's just, there are so many different things that could have happened. He could have committed suicide. Right. That's one of the things. You know, although some of his friends were like, no, there's no, like, there's no evidence that he was suicidal, but things happen like maybe he was good at hiding it whatever right maybe he took the storm to his advantage Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of ways you could spin it according to the brattleboro police department over 50 people were interviewed after marvel disappeared but yet there still remains so many unanswered questions Mm -hmm. at the time of his disappearance marvel had long blonde hair and blue eyes he's reported to be six feet two inches tall weighing roughly 165 pounds and he was last seen wearing a black button-down shirt, black pants, black hiking boots, and a black fedora. Marble's aunt, Patricia Kittredge, who lives in Belcherton, Mass now, said the family is still holding out hope that he's alive. She stated, if Marble can hear this, we want you to know we want you home, we miss you, and we love you. Marble's mom, Sigrid, stated, time has passed, but somebody knows something. We are really hoping that person or other people will come forward and share what they have. To mark the 10th anniversary of his disappearance, which just passed in 2021, the family has raised the reward for information from the original $2,500 to $10,000. Wow. Anyone with any information on the disappearance of Marble Arvidson is asked to please call the Rattleboro Police Department. Their phone number is 802-251-8188. Anyone who thinks they might have new information or hasn't had a chance yet to talk to investigators, maybe they missed somebody, you are also welcome to call Lieutenant Jeremy Evans of the Brattleboro PD directly. His phone number is 802-257-8950. Both Marble's mother, Sigrid, as well as his aunt are also open to just talking with any of Marble's friends or any acquaintances about the impact that this loss has had on them. Sigrid can be contacted at janeacefree at gmail.com and his aunt Patricia can be contacted at kittredgepl at gmail.com. You can also reach out and contact the family at findmarble at gmail.com. Perfect. I am glad we're able to give those resources. Mm -hmm. And it's been almost 11 years now and there's no answers and that's that's devastating. For sure. This family needs those answers. No doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. If you guys want to share your theories with us on what happened, you can definitely let us know on our Instagram and Twitter, which is truecrimeny, all lowercase, or you can shoot us an email at truecrimeny at gmail.com. You could also head over to our website, truecrimene.com. You can use our handy dandy submission tool located on our contact page. You could use it to send us questions, comments, concerns, feedback, and other cases based in New England, please, that you'd like to hear us cover. You can be anonymous if you so choose, but if you want to leave your name and we end up using a case that you suggested, we will give you a little shout out. 
You can also head on over to Spotify and give us a star review, or you can go to Apple Podcasts and give us a star review and a written review. Either way, we'd appreciate it. We appreciate you listening, and every day we are thankful. Damn right. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you.